Welcome everyone, glad to be here. It's lovely to be spending another Wednesday evening with you. We're in the middle of a series on awakening, and last month we talked a little bit about awakening to the amazing possibilities that we have in life. But you know what? It kind of has another side to the coin, because with our possibilities, with the power that we wield through the power of our minds, there also comes responsibility. And so tonight, uh, we're going to talk about this idea of spiritual responsibility. Now, I know responsibility takes different forms. I mean, we're responsible for the children in our life. We're responsible for maintaining our cars. We're responsible for all kinds of things. And we're not used to thinking that maybe even our spirituality has an element of responsibility that goes with it. And so, uh, uh, well, what can I say? After tonight, you will know. Uh, <laughs> but I think a good place to start might be a joke, and I, of course, managed to bring one for you, uh, with the theme of responsibility. So Brad was having a tough time finding a job, given the times and his skill set. He generally wouldn't even get an interview. Finally, he secured an interview and was trying his best to impress the HR manager. She said, in this job, Brad, you know, we need someone who's willing to be completely responsible. We need someone willing to handle the tough issues. We need someone to take initiative and really make a difference. Do you think you can be that person, Brad? Do you think that you can be that responsibility? Long pause. Brad was a little not sure entirely what to say. He finally replied, well, at my last job, when anything went wrong, they said I was very responsible. <laughs> and you know what? I'm actually going to take Brad's position on this one. Because I think whether things go right in my life or whether things go wrong in my life, the best position is full responsibility. Let's talk about this for a minute, because we're not used to maybe taking full ownership when we really mess up. We're more used to what blame kind of the situation. Blame. I mean, of course, we're, you know, science of my folks, we don't blame each other for anything ever, right? But we do tend to, you know, blame the politicians. We blame what's going on in government. We tend to blame, I don't know, the prices of things for our economic state. We, we will blame, uh, well, gosh, you name it. When there's an easy out for when life goes poorly, we will tend to just say, it wasn't me, it was the environment. I gotta tell you, we are our environment. If what we believe is true about the science of mind, if our thoughts do become things, I gotta tell you then, the things, whether they're good or bad things, derived from my way of thinking. And so, uh, so you might say, well, how do I deal with that then, right? I don't want to go around the world you know, beating myself up, saying, well, what a terrible job I did of this marriage, or what a terrible job that I did of uh, this interaction with someone, or, or, or like uh, Brad in, in my, my silly joke, right? Take ownership for everything that went wrong at work. Well, there's always the oopsie factor. Are you guys familiar with the oopsie factor? The oopsie factor is when the two-year-old, who is really just learning to hold a big glass of milk, manages it to pour all over the counter, right? 
You don't point your finger and yell at them, right? It's like God blessed them for learning how to hold that giant glass. Instead, you just say, oopsie, right? And you show them the better way to hold it. You know, it's big. We got to use both hands, right? We get very creative at helping our youngsters get over some of the, you know, the large-scale bedlam that can come with kids. But we just say, oopsie. We don't say, oh my gosh, do you realize what you've just done? No. Who do we say that for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, first off, if we're going to take responsibility for our full lives, we also need to be able to let ourselves off the hook. We need to be able to apply the whoopsie to us too, right? We need to be able to look back and say, wow, that first marriage I had really was a stinker, but whoopsie, right? I learned from it. This time I'll use both hands or, or whatever the <laughs> mental equivalent is about moving on and what we learn, right? <laughs> right? Because aren't we still in the process of learning? Aren't we still children, really, in the process of life itself? There will always be things we don't know how to do. There will always be things that we fail at, and hopefully there will always be things we learn how to do better with time and more practice. So, so first of all, I think a key to taking ownership for our lives is not taking it overly seriously, not saying that I failed at this one thing. I'm responsible for making a mess at this job or, or this relationship or this particular situation. I was like, well, yeah, it is a mess. Now now what? Let's clean it up. Let me clean it up and move forward. It's an oopsie. Let me move forward. The other thing I think that we're not used to thinking of in terms of responsibilities is that our spiritual responsibilities really kind of have three levels. And we've already talked about one of them, I think, a little bit, and that's that we create our reality. And so when our reality isn't to our liking, our responsibility then is to go back into our own thinking, our own belief patterns, our own, our own issues, <laughs> and take a look at changing them. And that's the, that's the responsible thing to do, not to blame the environment, not to blame our spouse, not to blame the world out there in general, but just to say, oh my gosh, look how freaking powerful I was. Can you imagine a bigger mess than this that I caused? And with that same element of power, I can powerfully do something different this next time. This next time I have learned something really useful here. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And instead, I'm building a mental equivalent of how to successfully have a marriage. I'm building a mental equivalent of how to navigate through whatever didn't work so well last time. And this time it will be different because I'm different. This time it will be successful because I am learning always how to be more successful. First in my thoughts, then in my actions. Okay, so that's sort of the first level of responsibility. I'm going to take ownership for my life. I'm not going to blame it on Congress. I'm not going to blame it on, you know, a medical condition I have. I'm not going to blame it on my boss or whatever it is. I'm just going to stand up and say, look, here I am. This is my life. There are aspects of it that are great and wonderful, and God bless me for creating that. And there are some pieces that could use a little tweaking. <laughs> and God bless me for being willing 
to take a look at that and not just blaming the universe for it. So that's the first stage. But you know what? There's a responsibility at an interpersonal level as well. Because really, that first level of responsibility, we can only say that that's true for me. I mean, I might wish that other people would clean up their acts. I might dream of a time when other people will be willing to take responsibility for the messes that they have cleared up. But, but honestly, can we really expect that? Probably not. We can only do that for ourselves. So when we start interacting with other people, though, don't we still have responsibilities? We do. One, we have a responsibility to allow them to make mistakes, too. Have you heard of that idea of codependency where, where you're cleaning up other people's messes and you're sometimes even enabling them to continue to be terrible people to themselves and the rest of the world somehow thinking that you're helping? It's not actually our business to change other people. And it's not our business to make up for the changes that other people haven't made either. Even sometimes when it feels like it. Even sometimes when desperately we wish we could help someone else, they are responsible for them and we are responsible for us. And when we start mixing up those responsibilities, when we think that someone else is responsible for the way I feel, if I'm having a bad day and I think someone else is responsible for it, that isn't any better than the reverse. When someone else is having a bad day and you let them think that you're responsible, neither is true. We are in charge of our own experience of life. Whether it's a good day or whether it's a bad day, my day in it, I'm responsible for and we actually do people a huge favor when we are simply a loving witness to them. Not trying to fix them, not trying to uh, uh, somehow make them into someone different, not, not somehow, um, uh, even by example, showing them how virtuous life can be, right? Sometimes don't we do that a little bit? We think, well, if, you, know, by you know, if I clean up the whole house often enough, they'll get the hint, <laughs> right? Have we, have we ever done that? That really isn't any better because the end goal is, or the end idea is, you will change to somehow please me, or you or my way is, but my way is just my way, and their ways are just their ways. And the only thing we can do is stand as a loving witness. That's what our powerful responsibility is for the people that we love. To simply love them. To simply love them and allow them to discover their own divinity. And you know what? There's even a third level of responsibility that's spiritual. Because it even exists in a cultural way, even upscales, if you will, into large groups of people and society. First of all, we have our own peace in it, just like we did with individual interactions with other people. So, so we have our own responsibility of being true to ourselves. And you know what? Sometimes that flies in the face of what's going on in the world. Uh, I used to do uh, emergency foster care for teenagers. And I, I remember for a while, I had this young man that was so contrary to everything. He was 15 years old, and, and he was getting beat up at school regularly. And if you saw him, 
You might have guessed why. He had a full mohawk, a giant slicked up, greased mohawk. He wore eye makeup. Well, it was the goth movement, right? Remember? Remember like 15 years ago and some of the kids were doing the eyeliner and the crazy hair and, and dyeing their hair, you know, jet black. And, uh, and so, so that was how he looked. And I still remember saying, well, I understand wanting to be different. I understand wanting to be differentiated. But think about it for a minute. When you fly in the face of things, how do you expect the universe to respond? If you want to be treated differently, you're going to be treated differently. And we had to puzzle through that quite a bit because he was saying, does this mean you think I should look different than I do? And I said, absolutely not. I totally defend your right to look however you want. I'm just saying that part of the flack you are getting, you are responsible for. We don't exist in a vacuum. There's society out here. Part of who we are is also the, the social evolution of where we choose to live. And there might be a place on the planet where everyone is goth, you know? And there probably was. It probably had to be New York City and Greenwich Village. Or, I mean, I don't know. I don't know where the goth movement started. There probably were places where, where that would be the way most people looked. But with the choices of living here and going to this school and hanging out with these kids, there is a responsibility that goes with looking like that. And, and, and I can play up the rules at the school that say you can look any way you want, and I can play up the rules that say there should be no violence at school, and I can do all of that, and what I know is you are crying out to be treated differently, and as long as you are doing that, you will be treated differently. And so we gotta puzzle our way through that. If you wanna go to school with, uh, dressed like that, I don't have a problem with that at all. And maybe we should assume some things about that. Maybe, maybe a self-defense class then, honestly, if, right? Maybe we need to go out for some, support, for some sports so that some of the other teenagers will, will take some, some credit at, uh, uh, from that element of you. And oh my God, it was a really interesting situation because you know what? I wasn't that much different when I was 15 and 16. I bet we all wanted to be differentiated between our, our, our families in particular. We wanted to maybe look different or be different to seem more grown up in our own eyes. And with those desires come the responsibilities of still existing in our own Environments, right? Uh, so, so when you acted up as a teenager, what was it most likely that your dad or your mom said to you? While you're living in my house, you'll follow my, right? <laughs> and unfortunately, or fortunately, and it isn't in either one, it just is, society is what it is. And we have our part of the responsibility for dealing with that as well. It isn't that we're a victim, we're actually participating in it. 
which leads me up into the current political state of the United States. <laughs> I know, I know. You're not supposed to talk about religion and you're not supposed to talk about politics and for sure you shouldn't talk about them at the same time. But, but here I'm going to because I've noticed that no one wants to take responsibility for the, the kind of the mess we're in right now. And, I, and, I, and I'm not uh, speaking uh, in any partisan kind of way. It just seems like over the last probably 10 years, not much has happened in a good way in Congress because they're fighting with each other. I'm responsible for that. And you are too. We are ultimately responsible for the societies that we live in. And if we deny that, in the same way that when we denied uh, our cause created an effect in our personal life, we're claiming to be what? A victim of American society? We are American society. Each one of us represents that very thing that we're probably having some problems with as they're debating on TV and doing the other things in an election year that go on. So how do we take ownership for that, right? I can see the whole crowd just got really quiet now because no one here, right? Right? Who, who would like, raise, raise your hand the people who would like to take ownership of Congress right now. All right, one brave soul, maybe two. All right, so what can we actually do about that? Because what I do know is if we continue to believe that we're a victim of it, oh my gosh, plan on more. <laughs> plan on another 10 years, right? So what can we do about it? Well, when we can take ownership for it, when we can see that through my voting or lack thereof habits over the years, I've helped to create this, when my uninvolvement in politics over the years has helped to create this thing, maybe that is a message that if I wish something to do differently, I don't have to look any further than, than right here. Maybe I start becoming more involved in politics. Maybe I pay better attention to the voter's manual when it comes and actually listen to all the debates, not just the ones that I think are going to be entertaining, right? <laughs> Maybe I have an actual responsibility even for society. So with our freedom in the science of mind, I think perhaps more than any other religion or any other uh, spiritual path that we walk, we have ultimate responsibility. Many of the other uh, faith paths in the world, right, they will blame things that go wrong on the devil. They will blame uh, behaviors on temptations beyond the human experience, or they will blame good fortune on, on miracles and good fortune. And you know what? We get to blame it all <laughs> on our own thinking. So it, it almost by definition is a spiritual path around being responsible for our own thoughts. I'm sure you were hoping for more inspiration tonight. <laughs> but I'm actually here to tell you that even inspiration itself comes from within. Even that is an inside job, right? I mean, I can tell my sweet jokes and hopefully some sweet stories about my life and things like that, and, and it sounds inspiration, but, but honestly, when it comes right down to it, upliftment is in your own mind and your own heart. 
the, the joy. Uh, remember we did the little meditation here getting started and I asked you to, to contemplate a word of God. And some of you I know picked joy, some of you picked love, some of you picked uh, abundance. Uh, uh, I bet a couple of you picked wholeness. And, and I asked you really to attempt to, in your own mind, become that thing, to, to illustrate that thing as best you could in your own mind. That is taking ownership, believe it or not, for your own experience of life. When you are well-trained enough in your own mind, well-responsible enough in your own way of thinking, that when you're having a bad day, you can choose to have a good day, that is power and responsibility at the same time. I am responsible for having a bad day and... I know that through the power of my own thinking, I can switch that. I'm going to use a, a, a fun example. Well, it wasn't fun, actually. I was at the dentist not too long ago. And have you ever been in the dentist's office and you hear a young person in the other room having a procedure done? Yeah. So I'm um, getting in the dentist's office and I hear this uh, uh, presumably a, a young boy, probably you know five or six, starting to cry and, and fuss a little. And I'm thinking, oh gosh, probably the first filling or something like that, you know. And so I'm sitting there and I mentioned to the woman checking me in, that's got to be tough. You know, no one wants to be the parent to take like the child to their first visit to, and she said, oh, it's just a consultation. He hasn't even been touched. And I'm like, why is he wailing, right? He was wailing because he was expecting something bad to happen. Nothing actually bad was happening at all. I'm here to tell you, we do that all the time. And we have the power to expect to feel something different. If you put your mind to it, you can choose to be happy. If you put your mind to it, you can choose to be sad. And in fact, that's all we ever do. It's not the outside world that inspires you. It's not the outside world that creates happiness. It's in your own mind and in your own heart. And you are responsible for that too. So in the Science of Mind, of course, we often uh, uh, fall back on uh, teachings of Ernest Holmes, the founder of the Science of Mind. And I wanted to share this quote. It's from The Practical Applications of Science. Who knew there was a book even called The Practical Applications of Science of Mind? It was written in 1958, and this is what Ernest Holmes said. He said, the power of choice with which man has been endowed is either his greatest blessing or his greatest curse. Properly understood, it can lift him to the heights. Misunderstood, it can drag him to the depths. We are free to choose anything we wish, but we must accept the responsibility for those choices. Inexorable law, that law of cause and effect, will create our experiences according to our mental choices. So I'm going to close today with a tiny bit of homework. And, and you know I'm a little devilish now and then on our Wednesday nights about just a suggestion of homework. And I know you don't all do it. This one, though, I might think of as being a little bit fun because I think it will be easy and it's something you can do anywhere. I simply invite you to find an area in your life where you're experiencing some discomfort. 
some area, whether it's a physical discomfort, whether it's relationship trouble, maybe there's something going on at work that you don't like, some kind of a uh, experience that you're not as enjoying as much as you would. And I would ask you, can you take responsibility for it? So picture yourself in that situation, and then simply, what can you do to actually take responsibility for it? Not saying it's the boss doing it, not saying you're a victim of your age or a disability or I don't know what's going on with different people here, but actually to take ownership for it and then think about how you might change your own experience of it. Could it be turned into a blessing? Could it be turned into just an oopsie instead of a bad situation? Could it be turned into a learning experience that might propel you forward next time something like that comes up? So that's your homework. I'm going to close with a, another. I found there was actually two wonderful Ernest Holmes quotes, so I brought them both. I'm going to close with the final quote and, and a prayer. He says, It is, however, an outstanding truth that every privilege brings its corresponding responsibility. The right power and the right action to make your own decisions, bad or good, puts you right in the middle. You now realize you are no longer in a tonopon. You're no longer moved by the caprice of circumstances or guided solely by instincts. You are free, ultimately, to choose. But you must take the consequences of that choosing. You shall have, and you do have, whatever you recognize and accept as yours, always. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life, one joy, one peace, one health, just one thing. I call this one thing God. And what I know about God is that it is fair and even to all that that law of cause and effect, that, that law of our thoughts becoming things work equally and uniformly for everyone. Each one of us is experiencing life as our mental processes have created it. I know that means me. I know that my life is a, a product of my thinking, of my thoughts and beliefs. And I know it's true for each person in this room. Each person here experiencing reality in a perhaps a very different way according to our beliefs about what's going on. Our highs and our lows simply made up from our own understanding of what's true and good. Our, our own experience of the world dependent on what we think of it. And so for today, for myself, I claim responsibility. I claim the messes. I claim the joys. I, I claim the heartache. I claim the, just the exhilaration of life itself. And in all of its, uh, in all of its wonderfulness and all of its whoopsies, I, I claim my life fully. And for each person in this room, I claim perhaps a willingness to see their own lives unfolding as a as a product of their own thoughts and beliefs, a product of the goodness that's in their own heart and the, the joys that they're willing to, to just seize, to understand, to accept. With each passing day, we get to choose 
and choose again and choose again. Each day, I believe that we choose more wisely. Each day, I know that our choices affect not only our own lives, but those close to us and our environment and the world. And as we choose better for ourselves and choose better for this planet, life gets better. And I'm grateful for this. Grateful just to be here in the presence of God, these hearts, these hands, these minds. Grateful for life. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here tonight. So glad you're here tonight. Thank you.